You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Understanding strength renewal really comes from the words of God. God gives us these words, then by Spirit empowers them in our lives. It's absolutely essential that we devote ourselves to the to the Bible. We have to study the Word of God. So I want to I want to try to do my best to teach you and to illustrate what I teach, so that we can really drive it home in our lives, and then to exhort you to to follow up on what we're learning. All right. So let's take our Bibles then, and let's turn to the book of John. In chapter 10, John chapter 10, one of the really beautiful passages in the, in the Bible. And John is perhaps one of my first or second favorite books in the New Testament. John chapter 10, John chapter 10 is a, is a chapter in which Jesus Christ uh, affirms three great things about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd... Then he says, I am the Christ. And then he says, I am the Son of God. So these three affirmations are made in this tremendous chapter. Most of the chapter is devoted to the idea of Jesus being the good shepherd. And I want to I look at that part of this, of this tremendous chapter in John chapter 10. So we're going to read in a moment a rather lengthy portion of this text. And uh, then I want to drive us to one particular point that summarizes the whole section. Now, before we look at this passage, uh, outside of the affirmation that Jesus Christ is the great shepherd, what we find here in in this passage is a very helpful description of what a sheep actually is. Who is one of the sheep? And that's really the question uh, that I want to look at today in this, this text. We know that Jesus as the good shepherd leads us. We know that he protects the believer. We know that he gives the believer eternal life and you will never perish. And these are great things that this passage teaches as well. But if you're not a recipient of that, well, it's all lost, isn't it? It's lost on you at least. And so I want to ask the question of you, are you one of his sheep? Now, I know that you may think you are one of his sheep uh, because of some decision you made when you were 9 or 15 or 21, but I want you to think about it again. As far as I know, the best way to examine whether you're a Christian or not is to look at your life right now. It's not to look at an experience that you had, an emotional experience you might have had, but to look now at your life. Do you have those characteristics of one of the sheep? Uh, that Jesus is talking about in this passage. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of London, England, said, everybody has a religious spasm or two. (laughs) And that's true. That's so true. And in a way, it's an easy thing to make a decision. Uh, That that part of it is easy, isn't it? I I remember being in the home of a pastor in the Chicago area, Chicago suburb, Sweeten area. And uh, I had I checked this out to verify it, but he had a dog that he had sent to obedience school. And they were all sitting around in the home one day, the family, watching Billy Graham. And Billy Graham gets to the end of his message, and he says, Come! 
And the dog got up from where it was seated <laughs> and leaned back on its haunches in front, of the, in front of Billy Graham and the television. Now, I don't want to make light of a, a meaningful experience in your life, but I do, want to, I do want to say that making a decision in a way must not be everything because there are literally millions in this denomination and, and other denominations, millions of evangelical Christians claim, or claiming to be Christians who are not even darkening the doors of the church. They don't have enough interest in Jesus even to find out more of His Word or love the brethren. So I would say making a decision is an easy thing to do, but it's not the same as being a Christian. Are you one of his sheep? That's the real question we want to look at today, all right? Are you one of his sheep? Everybody else in this room may think you're one of his sheep, but you may not be. So we're going to look at this carefully. As we read through this uh, section about Jesus as the good shepherd and what the real sheep, who the real sheep is, uh, I want you to look for three words. The word hear or listen, the word know, and the word follow. So you'll see these words repeated, and you'll, you'll see how important they are as we go through this text, all right? Hear or listen, know, and follow. In the beginning of this text, we're going to talk about, Jesus is going to talk about the folds of the sheep. Or, uh, and you know, in, in Palestine today, if you were to go over there, uh, go to Israel today, rather, and, and, and look uh, throughout the countryside, you'll still see these little rock enclosures that the shepherds would put their sheep into years ago. They're all crumbling down, but they're just rock enclosures, maybe the size of this room, perhaps, a large one would be. And uh, during the day, they would actually be fairly tall, and they would put brambles and things across the top or sharp rocks to try to keep uh, predators out of there from stealing the sheep or eating the sheep. And it usually had one opening, and it was a typical thing for a shepherd at least one of the shepherds, to lay down across the opening there and become, in a way, kind of a door for the sheep. Do you get the idea? All right. So let's keep that in our mind. Just think of the hillsides in Israel and think about what's really going on when Jesus talks about a very familiar thing to these people. Verse 1, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Now he gets more specific about this situation, this sheep and shepherd relationship. Verse 7, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. 
If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. He flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one, has, no one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Now, you know that every time Jesus spoke about almost anything, there was controversy. And in the next few verses, we see that there are accusations and controversies as normal fare for Jesus Christ. Listen to what happened. A division occurred among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? My sheep do what? My sheep listen to me. Why do you listen to him? They said. Others were saying, these are not the sayings of a demon, of one who's demon-possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? Now, at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem, John tells us. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him, and they were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. The word Christ means anointed one, doesn't it? Usually about the anointed king. If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Isn't that a curious statement? You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Hmm. Seems backwards, doesn't it? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then the Jews picked up stones and tried to stone him. <laughs> it's fitting to the text. It's fitting to what Jesus was teaching. What we're seeing in the text unfolding is the same thing Jesus is teaching, right? All right. Now, of course, you heard those, those, those words, didn't you? Those three words. And you, we especially find them coming together in verse 27. So I want you to look at verse 27. 
And I want you to say it out loud with me. I don't care what translation you have. It's going to be close enough, all right? Verse 27, let's read it aloud with a good, strong voice. Are you ready? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. All right, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I, he said, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So how do you know if you are one of his sheep? Could you be deceived? Let me tell you, there's a master deceiver in the world, and you help him along a lot. <laughs> you help him a lot. But there's a great deceiver in the world, and many, many people are deceived. How do you know you're not deceived? Isn't deception believing something Maybe very strongly that's not really true. In other words, having the conviction that you are something that you're not, really? Isn't that what deception is? So how could you know? How do you know if you're really one of his sheep? Let's take a hard look at this idea in verse 27. Now, of the three things he mentions here, let me, let me read it again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I think the most important word in verse 27 is the word know, K-N-O-W, know, and I know them. This is part of the greatness of the shepherd. Now, we know that this is reciprocal because in verse um, 14 it says, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, even as I know the Father and the Father knows me. So he's talking about more. Think with me just a minute. He must be talking about more than just intellectual knowledge about a, about a person. When he says, I know the sheep, yeah. he knows everything about everybody <laughs> that ever existed. But he means something else. He means, I have an intimate relationship with the sheep. There's an intimacy. I know the sheep. And the sheep know me. Something's happened here in this person's life. He may, in fact, you may have a great deal of information in your brain about Jesus Christ and not know Him. Years ago, I took a plane trip overseas, and I was coming back from uh, speaking in, in, in um, I believe, both in Africa and in Europe, and I was worn out. And I was sitting down in the plane, a bit, just a few seats back from the, um, where the bathrooms are and the wall is. And back in those days, they used to drop a screen and show a movie. It wasn't on the back of the seat in front of you. And I was so tired, I determined I was just going to try to sleep. But the movie uh, got my attention, and I, I was watching this old woman go through an old home place, kind of like some of the old unpainted buildings you might find somewhere out here, right? And she was going through this building and she was, she was remembering and just thinking and meditating and pondering things and saying them and having an emotional experience through these old buildings. And I put my earphones on, I began to get involved in this movie. I can't tell you the name of it. But as she went through those old buildings, those old, that old home place, uh, I began to tear up. And in fact, it got pretty bad. I mean, tears started rolling down my cheeks and my shoulders started going up and down. I mean, I was having an experience. And I thought to myself, 
this is kind of a woman thing to do, you know? <laughs> and so I, I got up and I went back to the uh, bathroom and I closed the door behind me and I, I just leaned over and I don't know, maybe it was three or four minutes, I just wept. And tears were just dropping down on the floor. And then I washed my face and I composed myself and I went back uh, to my seat. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? I, what an experience. But I n never did know that person, nor the actress who portrayed her. You see, there's a difference between an experience and actually knowing Christ. It's a difference. And here's where a lot of confusion lies among people. I want, you to, I want you to see, however, that we better discern what the difference is because life and death is on the line. Amen. If you don't mind, keep your place in John 10, but just move over to John 17 for a moment. Will you do that, John 17? John 17, and this is that great, uh, it's the real Lord's Prayer, right? John 17. And in He's speaking to the Father. Jesus is, uh, before he dies, speaking to the Father. And he says in verse 3, or let's go back to verse 2. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And then he says this to the Father. This is eternal life. Now, our ears ought to perk up here because that's important to me. I don't know. Is that important to you? Eternal life. That's important. This is eternal life. This isn't an Oxford English Dictionary or the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. This is the author of eternal life telling us what eternal life is. This is eternal life, he says, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You think Jesus knows what eternal life is? Sure he does. Eternal life is knowing the Father, knowing the Son. It's being in that intimate relationship with the Father and the Son. And the Father through the Son. I'm going to have you look one other place. Let's, let's again, we'll keep our, we'll kind of come back to John 10. But go to Hebrews chapter 8 for a moment. I just, I just want you to feel the import of of this, um, this idea, this concept of knowing the Lord. John, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, the writer of Hebrews, we're not sure who that is, but Hebrews chapter 8 repeats a passage out of the Old Testament, which we call the New Covenant out of Jeremiah. And you'll see it in verse 7. So just drop down there and look, put your eyes on verse 7 and what's beyond there. And it's, they're going to change the font in a way. I have small caps. It's a quote from the Old Testament. These, these, are, the, these are the tenets or the planks of the new covenant, that new agreement made between the Father and the Son of which we are the beneficiaries forever. So, some things are true of everybody in the New Covenant, and he lists some of those things. And let me just, let me just read just a verse for you, okay? Look at verse 11. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, 
for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. Are you hearing that? So if you are part of the new covenant, and that's, that's tantamount to saying or equal to saying, you are a Christian. If you're part of the new covenant, this must be true about you. Now in the old covenant with Israel, there were many who were unconverted, right? They died, Jude tells us, they died in unbelief. There were some who were converted, but many who were not converted. So it would be proper, wouldn't it, to say, know the Lord. But in the new covenant, it's, it's different. Things have changed. It's a better covenant on better promises. And this better covenant has this tenet secure in it that everyone in the new covenant knows the Lord. So do you think this is a proper statement? You can go back to John 10. But do you think this is a proper statement? Listen to it. If you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, but you do not follow Jesus Christ, or you, let me just save, let me save that statement. Hold off on that just a minute. I just want to, let me just major on this part, and I'll get to that in a minute. I'm running ahead of myself. But it's so important to say you know the Lord. And if you say, I'm a, I'm a part of the new covenant, here's what I wanted to say. If you say, I'm a part of the new covenant, but you don't know the Lord, it can't be true. Right? That's incongruous. That doesn't fit. That doesn't go together. That's, that's what I wanted to say. Now, how do you know... How do you ever come to know him, and how do you know if you know him? Well, the, the, the text that Jesus gives us here, the, the word that Jesus gave us in John 10, verse 27. Look at it again. Let's just read it again. John 10, 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What we see on either side of this critical word, know, which is reciprocal, that relationship is, intimate relationship is established. What we see on each side of it is on the one side, on the beginning side, we see a subjective way to know if you know it. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. On the other side, you see an objective way to analyze if you know it. My sheep follow me. Let's look at those two things, all right? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Now, the craziest, weirdest things that have ever happened in Christendom have happened because people felt they heard the voice of God. <laughs> but here Jesus, using this analogy, is not, is not perhaps saying anything spooky or weird. But he's saying something that every true Christian will actually identify with. My sheep hear my voice. The picture here is that there are other sheep, he says... And when the shepherd calls, they don't hear his voice because the voice of a, you know, they don't, they don't connect with that shepherd, right? But his sheep receive his, hear his voice. You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. You, you don't, you don't, and, and the real Christian, the real sheep doesn't respond to the, the strange voice of another shepherd. So what God is doing here is saying something, I think, very simple. He's saying that what's happening is that the person who is 
destined to believe and then continues to believe in Jesus Christ is a person who has been tuned by the Holy Spirit to pick up the frequency of the voice of God. There are, there are radio waves all through this room right now, right? But when you get tuned to the right spot, then you can pick up that radio wave. So what the Lord is doing is a supernatural thing. But He is tuning you to the voice of God. So as the gospel is proclaimed, you are among those people who hear the gospel and believe it and respond. Now, I want you to know that is really strange in the world. It's very few people who do. Most people hate Jesus for the gospel. They think he's crazy. The most religious people of the day scoffed at him and put him on a cross. Do you understand how strange it is to hear the voice of Jesus, to hear, be tuned to the frequency of the gospel, to really receive that word from God and to believe it, right? That's a, that's a very unusual and supernatural thing. It's the work of God. My sheep hear my voice. My wife takes me to the airport and... Uh, You know, we sometimes look at each other. We're gonna, I'm going to be gone for a while. And I'm not even saying a word, but we're communicating. There's a communication that can go on on a different level. That's what's happening here. Do you remember the story of Samuel in the Old Testament? The conversion of Samuel was one of the great stories of the Old Testament. And... The Lord called him, I think, three times, wasn't it? And he got up and he went to Eli. He said, Eli, you called me. I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. And then Eli did said, I think, maybe the only good thing he ever said. Because he, he was really kind of a scoundrel, to tell you the truth. But Eli said, when that happens again, it is the Lord. And you say, speak, Lord. I'm listening. And that dates the conversion of, of Samuel as a, as a young boy, probably between 11 and 13 years of age at the time. Now, uh, there's a very interesting verse tucked into the, to that chapter which, in which this is explained. It's verse 7 of 1 Samuel 3 says this, For Samuel did not yet know the Lord... The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So what I'm trying to say is that hearing is connected to knowing, right? Revelation of God, revealing of himself through his gospel, so that it captures the heart and gets the affections and the allegiance of the person, is that supernatural work of God that is necessary for you to know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. I wish I could say that I knew how to make that happen. I don't know how to make it happen. I have had the privilege of preaching the gospel all over this globe. And I cannot tell you how it happens. I can tell you something that's essential in, involved, essentially involved, and that is the gospel. And as I preach the gospel, 
You know what? Here's what Paul said. He said, when I'm preaching the gospel, preaching the cross and so forth, he said to the, to the uh, 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 wise, it's foolishness. To, to the Greeks, it's foolishness. He calls them wise later. To the, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. But to the called, it's the power of God unto salvation. Right? Do you get it? So God is the one who does this. I can't make it happen. My hands are tied. You as a parent, a grandparent, do you worry about your grandkids? How do you make it happen? You can't make it happen. You can't believe for them. You cannot do that. You can live out the gospel. You can speak the gospel. But it's really up to God. But it's necessary. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. They know me. Then let's look at that objective side for a moment. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? Say it aloud. Follow me. They follow me. Of all the marks of a Christian in the scripture, this is the most often repeated mark. That of obedience or following the Lord. So here's the other thing I was going to say, which is a logical statement, right? If you say, I'm a follower of the Lord, and you don't follow, can't I say, or shouldn't I say logically, that you're not really a follower of the Lord? Right. Something changes in the life of a person who believes in Jesus Christ. It changes, and it comes out of the affection and awe that is created from God pulling back the curtain and letting you know Jesus. You know, you follow Him. How could you not follow one so beautiful who has done so much for you? Do you get the idea? So Christians are followers. It would be another good name for a Christian to be a follower. That's a good name. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Not perfectly, obviously. We know each other well enough to say that. And there are ways to deal with that in our lives as Christians. And the Bible and the writers of the Bible anticipate that. And they know it's true, know it was true about themselves even. But still, we are substantively different than we were. We are changed. We're changed particularly in the area of love. Love for God, love for each other. This is a, a remarkable change that takes place when the Holy Spirit of love comes to live in our lives. And just things are different. We look at the world differently. We react differently. We respond in different ways. And we grow in this following of the Lord. Pursue holiness without which no man will see the Lord. My wife accuses me of flicking spiders on her. She has, she has a touch of arachnophobia. Anybody have that? <laughs> Hatred of spiders, fear of spiders. Yes, yeah, she does not like spiders. And um, I can't say that I'm just fond of them. But I mean, nonetheless, even from our earliest days of our marriage, uh, I was the, it was sort of the one manly thing I could do, you know, was to take care of the spider. So as a knight in shining armor, if there was a, Spider, I was to be the one to dispose of it, deal with it. And um, one time we were out at a picnic, and we were with Christian friends. We were with our church friends. 
And I was over talking to a group of men. We were having a great conversation. She was having a great conversation at the concrete picnic table under the pavilion. And all of a sudden, she called me and she said, Jim, come over here. There's a spider over here. Well, I left my nice conversation and went over to the picnic table. And sure enough, there was a little spider, about a quarter of an inch, a little black spider. <laughs> and I just reached over and I flicked the spider like that. And it just, you know, I'm pretty good. I, I've developed a lot. I, I'm trying to be humble here, but, you know, I've developed a lot of skill in this. And so, uh, so she said, you flicked it on me. I said, no, I didn't. She said, you flicked it on me. She was looking around all over her body. I said, no, I did. I'm good at this. I know exactly what I'm doing. That guy is still probably floating out there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, that was like a, a one would. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, so we finally left the picnic, and we went home, and we got dressed for bed, and we got in bed, and the lights were out, and we were, I was dead asleep. And all of a sudden, the covers, men, have you ever had this experience? The covers just came back in one, whew, like that. It kind of lifts you off the bed, you know? And she said, and she turned on the light, and she got me awake, and guess what? There was that little spider right in the middle of the bed. So I've been suggesting that Pam take a bath every night before she goes bed. But... <laughs> Now, it amazes me that something so small can cause such a big reaction. But you're saying, I am indwelt with the God of the universe. And you're no different than you were before? You're just the same little religious person you were before? Hmm? Is that a Christian? I say the Bible screams, no, that's not a Christian. A Christian has been changed. A Christian is different. And he or she is a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to end with a very familiar passage because I think it makes even more sense now. Out of Matthew, out of the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to Matthew 7 and we'll end with this. Matthew 7. Right at the end of this great sermon. Jesus says this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying that you become a Christian by doing obedient things. But he's saying, you want to know who a Christian is? A Christian is the one who does the will of the Father. They look like the Father. They're, they're changed. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Master, Master, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. And then he says, Many will say to me, it's not a frightening word, many. Many will say to me on that day, this is that day of judgment. Luther said we only have two days, this day and that day. It's that day when we stand before God. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, 
did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? These, he's particularly speaking to religious leaders here. Didn't we do that? Well, let me just ask you, have any of you done these things? I mean, you cast out demons and worked miracles and prophesied in the name of Jesus? More than likely not. They're better than you, right? These people he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, they've got a lot supernatural to talk about. Didn't we do these things? And in verse 23, Jesus says, Then will I declare to them... This is Jesus saying what I'm going to say to them. Think about that. You're just listening to the person. These people are going to stand in front of. This is what I'm going to say to them. I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Do you see that connection between... Knowing and obedience. He makes that association, right? I never knew you. We never had this intimacy. Depart, therefore, depart from me, you who practice, you who practice lawlessness. So I want to come back. I want to come back to my original question. Are you one of his sheep? And the, the leading thing that is going to keep you from even wrestling with this issue is your pride. Because everybody thinks you're one of the sheep. What do you do with that information? Well, you know what? I can't make all the supernatural things happen that have to, have to happen here. I can't make them happen. But I'll tell you what. If I thought I was not one of his sheep, I just think, I, don't, I think I would do anything to try to find out. I think I would do whatever. I would humble myself before God. Cry out to the Lord. Oh, God, show me yourself. Help me see. Help me see and understand. I believe it would stir me to something because you may think it's not too much to get excited about eternal life. You've heard those words all your life, but it's everything. It's everything. And this period of time is a wisp and it's over. Are you one of his sheep? <laughs>